Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Armed Med Ed podcast. This will be a way for us to connect you with some new ideas in between our sessions. We know that it can be hard to enter into the world of medical education research. And so we want to make sure that you don't feel so lonely in your pursuits. We'll be bringing you a community of scholars who want to share their wisdom with you in this part of our community of practice. So listen up. Hello everyone, I'm Jamie Jordan and uh, we're here today for another Armed Med Ed Faculty Development Podcast. And today's topic is going to be mentoring. Um, and I'm very fortunate today to have two special guests, uh, Dr. Lainey Yaris and Dr. Wendy Coates uh, with us to share their expertise. And let's just start with some introductions. So uh, Dr. Yaris, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you, Jamie. Um, well, first I just wanna say I'm so excited to be here and talk about mentoring with both of you. Um, Jamie Jordan and Wendy Coates have been two of my mentors throughout my career, and so it's really special to be able to explore this topic together. Um, so I'm Lainey Yaris. I am the Vice Chair for Faculty Development at Oregon Health and Science University in Portland, Oregon, and along with Wendy Coates, I'm the co-chair of the Armed Med Ed Program, and in my roles as a fellowship director and a prior program director have thought a lot about mentoring. So excited to talk about this topic. And we're excited to have you. And Dr. Coates, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, thanks again for having me. And it sure is an honor to be doing this together with the two of you, uh, because I think that we have a lot of intertwined um, mentoring experiences among the three of us. And so that's really exciting for me too. Um, uh, I'm Dr. Wendy Coates, and I'm a professor of medicine at the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA and in the Department of Emergency Medicine at Harbor UCLA. Um, I guess over the course of my career in medicine, I've had an opportunity to create a lot of different mentorship programs um, and to serve as a mentor for many um, up and coming leaders in um, in the fields of medicine and particularly emergency medicine. Um, and through my role in the Dean's office um, with the Acute Care College at UCLA, um, had my first experience with a really successful organized mentorship program and um, really excited as co-chair of Armed Med Ed to be ushering in um, like what we think is a fantastic family mentorship program for all of the participants. Wonderful. And again, we're so happy to have both of you here. So let's just start with some basic definitions, because I think sometimes folks can get confused. Um, but maybe, Wendy, if you can just talk a little bit about the differences between advisor, mentor, and sponsor. Sure. Um, that is like a very timely question. Because if you're anywhere on social media, you see these threads literally every day. It's like, don't find an advisor, don't find a mentor, find a sponsor. And, you know, labels are great, except what you really need is you really need someone who actually just cares about your career development. So whatever you label that person um, is fine. But I guess the modern nomenclature is like an advisor is somebody who has a whole bunch of knowledge and you can go to them and they can tell you all about how that knowledge applies to you. And then it's kind of up to you what to do with that knowledge. Um, a mentor is someone who um, 
actually just cares about you and your career development. And they understand what advice to give you. And then they try to, you know, help you decide what to do with that. Very recently, there's been this new add-on category, which I kind of laugh at sometimes, um, the sponsor category, because I kind of feel like that's how I've defined my role as a mentor for all of these years of my career. Um, and Jamie, you know this, um, like the getting dragged around every national meeting to meet every single person. Oh, I think you should meet this person. And, you know, Jamie would be a great person to co-author this study with you. And, oh, yes, you should totally have Dr. Jordan on this. And, you know, yes, there's this panel discussion that needs to happen. And I'm bringing my fellow and she's going to do it instead of me. So I think that's kind of like the sponsor um, attitude is that that person goes out of their way to make a difference um, to advance the career of the more junior person. Yeah, absolutely. And then just for our listeners, so Wendy was my fellowship director when I did my medical education scholarship fellowship, and I definitely benefited from her uh, mentorship and sponsorship as well. Um, so now I think I want to get into a little bit of your, your personal experiences. So Lainey, why don't you tell us a little bit about why you mentor others? I would be happy to. Um, I, I'm going to go a little bit off the beaten path for this answer, though, and um, reflect upon what I've learned in my career. And I've, I've explored this when I'm making position decisions or deciding about a project or um, deciding where I want to work clinically. And I think one thing that I've learned about myself is that um, I find the most meaning in my career, but really just in my life in connection and being there for other people in what feels like an authentic way. Um, and mentorship is one of the ways that that's manifested the most for me in an academic career. It's really parallel to kind of just sitting there with a patient and listening to them, I think, and being present. And so for me, I'm a mentor because that's a way to really connect with colleagues, trainees, um, people at all stages of their career in a way that just brings me a lot of joy and reward and meaning. So it's less about like the content and the actual tasks, and it's more about the connection for me. Yeah, that's wonderful. And then Wendy, why do you mentor? Well, I think it is really kind of a responsibility that we have in our discipline because um, we didn't get here in isolation, any of us. Um, and I think that it's something that we can do to advance our field. Um, and hopefully, if we're successful mentors, um, all of our protégés or mentees will end up so much further ahead of where we ever could hope to be. And that's kind of the success um, that we feel. Um, so I think that I do it because I love to just watch all of my mentees succeed and to know that a little part of the reason that they could do that is because of something that I was able to contribute and, you know, help boost them. And so it just, um, also kind of gives me a window into 
you know, what's happening right now in the world. Cause you know, I came up at a different time than my mentees and there's a lot of things that they know that I don't. Um, and so I can learn a lot from them and it keeps everything fresh for me. And so I really enjoy that as well. Wonderful. And, and I do think mentorship is just so valuable. And I certainly benefited from the mentorship of both of you. But I think sometimes in the beginning, especially early on in your career, folks have difficulty finding good mentors. And so I was wondering if you had any suggested strategies for how to find mentors. Um, and maybe Dr. Coates will uh, let you answer this one first. Oh, sure. Um, well, there's a lot of people out there who think that they might be good mentors. And there's a lot of people who might be doing it for different reasons, like, ooh, if I get this medical student or resident or junior faculty member on my team, I won't have to do any of the work and I can just give them all the grunt work. And, you know, you kind of want to avoid those toxic relationships. So it is very important to find a good mentor. And just like you wouldn't go and marry the first person that like you went on a date with in high school, well, some people do, but um, many people have an opportunity to get to know a lot of different people before they, you know, make a final commitment. Um, I think it's totally reasonable to try out different mentors and you might need different mentors for different reasons. So for example, as a woman, um, I had a really strong female mentor who was in a leadership position, but she wasn't even an MD. Um, she had a doctorate in another area, but she had literally every answer that I ever wanted for how to be a female when I looked around the table and I was the only one sitting there and how to be an effective uh, female leader and be taken seriously. But she couldn't advise me in my medical career. Um, and so then I had kind of a a senior white male um, as my career mentor um, to tell me different things about that. So I found them because I was comfortable working with them and they actually kind of took an interest in me and drew me in. Um, you can ask other people who would they recommend. Um, you can kind of figure out, well, what do you need? Like, do you need a diversity mentor? Do you need a gender mentor? Um, do you need a content mentor, a research mentor, or just an overall feel-good mentor? Um, and, you know, I think sometimes it happens organically. And I think it's a whole different conversation about how to find somebody in a, like, a organized, streamlined way, like, with step-by-step-by-step. -by -step -by -step. Um, maybe we have, we all have more on that later. <laughs> Yeah, I, th I think what you said really resonates with me as well. It, the, the one thing about really reflecting on your needs and recognizing that you might need different mentors for different things and, and different mentors for different stages of your career. And so I think that's another important um, concept is to, to recognize that you don't, need, you don't need to have just one mentor. You can have multiple mentors and you can change mentors and, and there's a lot of flexibility within that, that model. Um, Lainey, do you have any suggested strategies for how to find good mentors? Yeah, well, I mean, if there's anyone listening who sometimes feels hesitant to ask for help or doesn't want to burden um, the people they're asking to be mentors, no, you're not alone in that, in that feeling. And I very much entered my career with that 
predisposition to feel hesitant to ask somebody to help me out. But I had an experience really early on um, in my career when I was co-chairing the 2012 Consensus Conference on Education Research for Academic Emergency Medicine. And at that time, I was so junior and knew so little about education research and was putting together this conference that sought to really define the state of the art. And my approach at that time was just to search the medical education journals and cold email the people who I thought were the experts in medical education or health professions education, even outside of emergency medicine or outside of the U.S. And that was a really enlightening experience for me because I was surprised how many times people just said yes. Because I was coming to them, I was asking them about something that they were passionate about, and I was actually offering them an opportunity to speak outside their field. And I didn't realize I was doing all of those things at the time, but what it taught me is it can't hurt to ask. And I've adopted that um, mantra since that time. And so my advice for reaching out to a mentor is if there's somebody who you think you would be really excited to work with or could teach you something that... um, that you may not have access to otherwise or may mentor you in a unique way, it just can't hurt to ask to reach out to them. And you you improve your chances if you take initiative and present the opportunity of, I would love to work with you on this project, or I'm very interested in your area of research. Could we sit down and chat about it for a little while? If you come to them um, offering initiative and offering to take on a project, And I think that you will be surprised that the vast majority of the time, people in medical education or health professions, education research, say yes. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Now, we kind of alluded to this previously, but there's lots of different models um, that you can use for mentoring. And so I'm curious to know what uh, what are the different models that you have each found um, most effective in your careers? Um, Maybe, Lainey, we can start with you. I do think that there's a lot of different models, and I think it really depends on the personality of the mentee and the mentor and the relationship, and um, I think I I won't focus on formal mentoring relationships because those are very useful, but most people have some experience with them, Um, but, you know, one of the relationships that was very helpful for me was a really casual, actually a running relationship with a mentee, and when I was a faculty member, a fairly junior faculty member, I had a medical student who approached me and we ended up just running together, going for runs together. And there's something about that casual um, interaction. There's some vulnerability in running together. And also I find that running just like opens people up and allows them to talk, that we were able to really form a lot of trust and talk, talk about a lot of topics that we may not have been able to if it was a more formal setting, but it still maintained a a feeling of professionalism. And I actually ended up mentoring that student all throughout medical school. Um, She came to residency at OHSU and I still keep in touch with her. We've had now like a 15 year relationship. So running isn't for everyone, but I would encourage people to think about a casual format that might feel natural um, to both parties. And um, I will, turn it over to Wendy to talk about um, the family relationship that she pioneered for armed med ed, because that would be my other example of a mentoring relationship that I found really, really fun and helpful. Yeah, I, I agree. So Wendy, tell us more about this family mentorship relationship that you created. Sure. Um, well, before I do that, I just wanted to say one thing that um, I think is like my most critical point about a mentor-mentee relationship that um, uh, 
no matter what the format is of your mentor-mentee relationship, the, the mentor should never be in competition for um, with the mentee, right? So if you're both applying for the same grant in a competitive way, there's no way that that mentor can um, actually, you know, mentor their person appropriately because they're in competition, which is why, like, I think the sort of traditional model is people in different stages of the career, uh, their careers. But that's not to say that there's not a million valuable things um, that you can gain from different forms of mentorship. Like peer mentors can be very effective, um, but they should also not be like in head to head competition. Um, so it kind of segues into your actual question, which is the Armed Med Ed Family Mentorship Program. And um, there's a lot of different things that went into forming this program. So first of all, mentors are busy people. In general, they don't get paid a lot of money for specifically mentoring people. It's because they have other reasons that they want to do this. Um, and then sometimes they're just busy, right? So like if they have a mentee who's super needy, at the exact moment that their grant is due, they're not going to be able to spend the time with the mentee talking about whatever it is that's going on in their life. So what happens? The mentee just like has to sit and wait and doesn't have someone's advice to take. So the other thing is that a mentee might need different types of information. So for example, in armed med ed, we're learning how to write grants. And sometimes a content expert is really important. Sometimes a methodologist is really important. So what if you're the mentee that got assigned to the methodologist, but that person is not an MD and they don't know anything about your discipline? Um, what do we do? So with the time crunch and the expertise variability, we thought it would be a great idea to put all of these people together so that each of the participants of Armed Med Ed would have a dedicated mentor. Well, now anybody in that position can tell you how to do a little bit of time management, you know, how to uh, deal with career decisions that are coming up related to their projects and, you know, sort of the basic things. So they can have kind of a one-on-one -on -one relationship as a mentoring dyad. But when that mentor gets busy, there should be someone else to turn to and someone who actually knows something about this person and has a relationship already. So our mentorship family program has three mentor-mentee dyads who all meet together at least once a month and they each learn about each other's projects so that they can offer advice. So the peers offer advice to each other. The mentors offer advice for each other and can help each other when one is in a time crunch. The other one knows about the mentee's project and can jump right in and take off the burden from the busy person. And then they can kind of all work together. And ideally, at the end of it, they can each participate in the other's projects because they know all about them. They helped to create them. And it's really like a family situation. Like we care about each other and we care about all of our mentees uh, equally. And it's really kind of a cool situation.
Yeah, I think it is a really cool situation and with a lot of the benefits that, that you sort of mentioned there. What do you think are some tips for succeeding as a mentor? Maybe Wendy, we can start with you. I think tips for succeeding, um, you want to make sure that you have the time that is necessary to devote to a person. And it's probably better to say to the person, gosh, I would really love to be able to answer questions as they come up for you, but I don't have time in my life right now to take you on as a mentee because I really owe you more if I were your mentor. So I would say that's one thing that you should be truthful with yourself if you have the opportunity to mentor someone um, on a voluntary basis. Secondly, if you go into the room with that person and like you just are oil and water, this is not going to be a good mentor-mentee relationship and you can somehow get out of that and that works both ways. If you're the mentee and you go in and you just have an uncomfortable feeling, you know, thank the person for their time and think of a reason why you're moving on. Um, and I think that you should know something that the mentee needs and you should care about making them advance and that their success will become your success and you won't be jealous of them. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's really important to have that, that vested interest. And I think going back to your concept about having enough time, I think the other part that's really helpful for ensuring a successful relationship is, is being responsive. Um, so even if you don't have enough time to address the problem at that at that moment, actually just being responsive and, and letting the mentee know um, what your constraints are and what you can do, I think is also very helpful. Um, Lainey, what are your uh, strategies for success? I think I, I, the strategies that Wendy spoke about are, are helpful for me too. Um, but there's a different framework that I'm thinking about in terms of how I go into each mentorship meeting and how in real time I try to be the best mentor possible. And um, it actually is something I've translated from one of my other realms um, in another aspect of my life. I'm a meditation instructor. And when I received training on how to um, speak, how to do public speaking as a meditation instructor or teach as a meditation instructor, there was these three principles that my meditation instructor taught me. And that was um, number one, prepare, Number two, be present. And number three, speak from your heart or be authentic. And I find that those really translate to the mentorship relationship. And what that means to me when I'm sitting down with a mentee is that I make sure that I've you know, re reviewed our emails together so I remember who they are and what they're interested in, if it's somebody who I haven't met with a lot. Um, and I do the preparation. I'm ready on time. And then when they walk into my office, or when we arrive at the coffee shop, I just try to really be present for them. And even though we all have a million other things going on, I try to just focus on them and our connection and the things that we're speaking about. And there are a lot of times when topics come up where it can be tricky to know how to answer uh, while we're juggling all of our hats and roles, but I always just try to be real with them and speak from my heart. And um, that doesn't prevent all of the missteps and I don't always um, achieve perfection in those three realms, but I do think that they're really helpful guideposts for me. Yeah, I think these are some, some great tips. 
Now, thinking about like sort of role reversal, let's think about the role of the mentee. Um, and, and do you have any tips for succeeding as a mentee? And Wendy, uh, let's start with you. I think echoing what Lainey just said, and that's a fabulous uh, process. Uh, I think that mentees also should realize a few things. Number one, the mentor's time is incredibly valuable and that they should not waste their mentor's time. And that translates into understanding what you need from the mentor because they are there to kind of serve you a little bit. So you should understand what you need from them and you should do a lot of preparation for the work that you're gonna be doing together with your mentor. For example, on your first meeting, you should reflect about what the mentor-mentee relationship is going to be all about and understand what you want from them and be able to convey those ideas. Next, you should always come prepared. So one example that I have is I'm talking to a mentee and they're saying, gosh, you know, I have this great research project idea and I really want to do this, 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 and this, and we'll sit and talk about it. It is a great idea. Yeah, that sounds great. Let's move forward. Um, let's set a time that's a reasonably spaced time from now to meet again. And at that time, I would like you, I'm the mentor talking, I would like you to have done a literature search and tell me what's already out there about the topic that we're discussing. And so this is like a, a mentorship process for a research project, not a career mentor, but it could be translated into that venue as well. So then the next time the mentee comes back and I say, well, what did you find out about this realm? Well, I didn't really have a chance to do the lit search yet. I know it's been six weeks, but, you know, I was really busy. And so, you know, what do you think about this project, Dr. Mentor? And, you know, it's kind of makes you a little bit angry as the mentor that the person isn't even interested in their own success. So why should I be that interested in their success? So then you kind of have to lay the groundwork of, of ground rules of, you know, how do we make this relationship function well uh, and manage the expectations. So I don't know if that answered your question, but that's the thoughts that I had when I heard your question first. Yeah, I, th I think that's really helpful. And I think, you know, thinking back to myself as a mentee, I, I found that that preparation and the organization and the reflection to be absolutely key to, to achieving outcomes. Okay, so um, can I just share a personal anecdote? Um, so some of you may or may not know that Jamie was my fellow at Harvard UCLA in medical education. I have literally never met a more prepared, more organized person in my entire life. She would come into our weekly mentor, mentee fellowship meetings with a steno pad with all of these little boxes and all of these things to do. And I mean, I think I learned so much about organization from Jamie and how to actually get things done. And if you ever want to learn how to do that, just, you know, 
And there you go. You have the world's expert on how to get things done and how to organize things. Um, so thank you, Jamie, too, for your complete commitment to your own career development. <laughs> Made my job easy. <laughs> It was very, it was very self-serving, but I, I found that approach very helpful. Um, now, obviously, we all know that nothing is perfect, and there certainly are going to be challenges in these mentorship relationships. And so, I'd be interested to know what you've encountered in your careers um, in being mentors, and sort of how you've dealt with some of these challenges. Uh, Lainey, why don't we start with you? Well, I think that there's the typical common challenges that we deal with in other academic topics, you know, like time challenges, scheduling challenges, when the fit's not quite, quite right, anything that we have a lot of strategies for overcoming needs. Um, the most difficult mentoring challenge that I ever had, um, I will share with you. I um, had a mentee who was like my formal mentee, and it was somebody who I really just had an instant connection with, and it was a really rewarding and um, effective mentor-mentee relationship, I felt, for the majority of this individual's residency. And we would meet frequently and were comfortable with each other and this resident was thriving. And then um, something happened and there came a time when this individual was struggling with a personal situation that did not have to do with me, but there was something about the situation that made me no longer the right mentor for this individual. And um, they remained very friendly and professional with me, but started going to other people for advice. And I would kind of hear about things that were happening from other faculty and other colleagues. And that was really, um, I learned a lot from that um, because as I mentioned before, you know, one of my, the things that I find most rewarding about mentoring is the connection. And it's really easy in those situations to take that personally. Like, what did I do to make this, person no longer want to come to me. Um, and to really just remember in a mentor relationship that it's not always about you. And sometimes what the mentee needs may not be something that you can offer. And that really the, the mentee's wellness and success and happiness should be your primary priority. So um, navigating that was challenging for me. And I think a growth opportunity and, um, in the end, I was really excited to see this individual succeed, even though at some point I became not a primary mentor to them anymore and never really understood the reasons. So I come on to that just to say that like any relationship, there can be emotional aspects of a mentoring relationship and ways that we doubt ourselves, or that we feel vulnerable or that we feel insecure and just recognizing these relationships are real and can be challenging. So that's the, the example I would share. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And then Wendy, any challenges that you'd like to share and, and how you dealt with them? Of course. Um, I would say that the biggest challenge is when your mentee is not living up to their end of the bargain or that you get a very challenging mentee who's assigned to you. So it's great when there's this instant connection and you form a relationship with somebody like organically. But sometimes you are put in a position where you have a mentee because it's part of a formal program and you have to deal with it 
or you have to ensure another transfer of power, you know, trading mentees or something. Um, and the, the problem is sometimes I find that those people are actually the ones who need me the most, even though it's more uncomfortable for me and it's more work for me. And I don't get all of those, you know, positive vibes when I'm sitting in the coffee shop with them. I was like, I'm just so lucky to be this person's mentor. I am enjoying this so much. You're just kind of sitting there thinking, oh, you know, I just, I want to leave. How, how long is this meeting going to be? But then you realize, who does this person have? They have me. And this person got to where they are today because they have a lot of worth. How can I help them to discover their worth and to channel them in a more positive way? And sometimes those people can be the most rewarding relationships because you've taken them from a point where they were incorrigible to a point where they're greatly successful. And you can take pride in knowing that you were part of that or that they never get to the point where you think that they're capable of getting to, but you did your best to help them navigate their own career path because it is their own career path. It's not yours. And if any of you out there in the audience are actually parents, you know that your children go through a lot of different stages of life and sometimes you're happier than others to be in a room with them for many hours at a time and that some of the relationship can be challenging. But in the end, you know, they do great and you are just so thrilled with their progress. And hopefully you can make the best out of any mentor-mentee situation given enough dedication and patience. Yeah, I think having that perspective is, is really important. Now, both of you have been mentors for your entire careers, um, and you're clearly passionate about it. And so I'd be interested to know um, what sort of benefits you've, you've received from being a mentor. And Wendy, why don't we start with you? Oh, that's a good question. If we as mentors didn't get some benefits out of it, I don't think anybody would actually do it uh, because nobody is that altruistic, face it. Some of the benefits that you get from being a mentor, I think, stem from uh, your ability to um, just kind of see the world through younger eyes and through a different vision, because the people you're generally mentoring have a completely different station in life than you do. And that's in two ways. One, they have different skills than you probably do, and they can help you by teaching you about the skill sets that they have, like, for example, technology. And they also have this enthusiasm that maybe you've lost a little bit of. They also love to do the things that really are mundane for you. And so it actually works out to be you know, you're not dumping on them to do some of the quote grunt work that they actually think that it's kind of cool to do that because they've never really had the opportunity to do that. So that then makes you see that work again 
as, oh yeah, that is kind of cool. And look how they're approaching it in this totally new way. I can learn from that too. And this is really a lot of fun. Um, in addition, I think that um, institutions that have a mentorship culture do better, whether that's a department or a group of some sort, uh, when you have some sort of a mentorship culture that is a positive one, everybody benefits because then everybody has a chance to have some development in their capabilities and their outlook. Yeah, I completely agree. And then Lainey, what do you see as some of the, the benefits that you've experienced um, while being a mentor? I think the you know the things that we've touched upon, the um, ability to feel a sense of connection, um, definitely just to have collaboration. You work together, like Mindy was mentioning with your mentees, it can be really efficient, um, can increase your scholarly productivity and allow you to keep challenging yourself and learning and growing. Um, and at this point in my career, I've had many of my mentees go on to develop expertise and be leaders in the field and then pull me back into projects and allow me to be mentored by them or their mentors. And it's this really cool, fluid um, situation where the mentoring is always switching and you're learning from them and they're learning from you. And um, it's just a really fun way to keep growing, I think. Yeah, I think that the growth factor is also a, a huge win. So we're nearing the end of our time here today. Um, and I, so I just wanted to ask you both for any final tips or thoughts that you have for building and sustaining successful mentorship relationships. Lainey, what, what are your tips? Well, I think that we have touched upon a lot of tips, but one thing that we haven't touched upon um, just in light of the current context is what a challenging year, year and a half, almost two years that this has been for us as a community and a world. And one of the things that we tend to do when things are really hard is sometimes withdraw or isolate. And these times are the times when we need to connect even more. And so I feel stretched thin and overwhelmed or disengaged or burnt out. And the natural inclination could be, I don't have time to mentor right now. I, what I have learned is it's important for me to think about the ways that I might have time because sometimes that additional effort is the thing that will make me feel rejuvenated. So it's precisely when I feel like maybe I don't have the bandwidth that I find the mentoring relationships most rewarding and um, overcoming that mental hurdle is something that I've learned is helpful for me. Great, thank you. And then Wendy, any final thoughts or comments? I have two. First of all, pulling in on Lainey's train of thought about the mindfulness of the mentor-mentee relationship is really important. And for the mentor to remember that really it's about the mentee and that your job is their success and how your success is measured is by their success. And then that you as a mentor when all is said and done, can hope that a little kernel of something that you said 
to one of your mentees somewhere along the line will live on long after you're gone and leave your legacy through your mentees. And I think that's a really powerful comment to just end things um, that it's a chance for you to live on after your days are over. Wonderful. Well, thank you both for being here today and, and sharing your thoughts and expertise. Um, we really appreciate it. And we look forward to having you on another Armed Med Ed Faculty Development Podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of the Armed Med Ed Podcast. Thank you to Lainey Yaris, Wendy Coates, and all of the other instructors within the Armed Med Ed Circuit for making sure that we're always upping our game in medical education research. And thank you to Scott Holmes for supplying the music. We really enjoyed the tunes.